Today is Monday, July 24th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Sound of Freedom continues to do well at the box office. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to hold up your end of the bargain here and subscribe if you haven't. Leave a rating and share it with a friend too. You can email us quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, Billy Hallowell on this Monday. Billy, good morning to you. How's it going? Well, it's good to be back. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure everyone missed me, yes. so I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yes, indeed. We're glad to have you back. Hopefully your hopefully your time out on vacation was uh, fantastic. And uh, It was. It was. Well rested, <clears throat> all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I came back sick, so here we are. Okay. Yeah. Well. Hope you go. <laughs> it happens. Hopefully you get better soon. It happens. It happens. But uh, what do you have coming up on the focus story today? Yeah, we've got a really tragic story out of Pakistan about blasphemy charges, and it gives us a real insight into what it's like to live in a place where, as Christians, you have to be fearful for your very life and well-being. Yeah, definitely. This coming on the heels, too, of that warning we had on international uh, persecution, religious persecution, and so we'll definitely look forward to the details on that. Also on the main thing, the Girl Scouts of America, they came out with a summer camp culture code, and it's got a lot of LGBT stuff in it and anti-racism stuff in it as well. Madison Seals is going to get into that on the main thing. But first here, we're going to get through the news in 90 seconds. Michelle Bachman has a warning about the World Health Organization through a series of 307 amendments and a global pandemic treaty. She says the WHO is seeking to gain authority over international health decisions of UN member nations in the event of something like another COVID-19 pandemic. She said that then they would be empowered to tell us in America we have to lock down, we have to shut down, we have to close our churches, we have to close our schools. She warned that we'd be forced, mandated even, to take a vaccine whether we want to or not. You can read that full story over at CBNNews.com. The school district in Rhode Island is allowing a Christian club to meet on its school properties after settling a religious discrimination lawsuit. Providence Public School District came to an agreement with CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, earlier this week by entering a consent order to allow good news clubs in their elementary school. According to the lawsuit, the school district stonewalled its Good News Club from elementary schools for two years. And at the box office, Barbie smashed records and hit $155 million, beating out Oppenheimer's $80 million. But Sound of Freedom had $20 million, inching out past Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, who had nineteen point five. Million dollars. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Billy, interesting box office scenario this weekend here because Sound of Freedom continued to do well. Mission Impossible obviously had a huge opening, and so it's been out for a few days. But still, for it to pass it this weekend is very impressive uh, indeed. It is. And, you know, I think the continued debates around Sound of Freedom and all that, it's continued to propel it. But I think it's because of the intrigue and the fact that this is an issue that it feels like the media has tried to get people, some some outlets, to not watch the movie. And yeah. I think that's had the opposite effect. It's made people curious. They want to know more. Um, I will tell you, 
the most disturbing part of all of that with Sound of Freedom is just watching the press continue to call it. CNN had an article calling it QAnon adjacent. Yeah. Right. Um, and but but the upside is that it's made over 125 million. It's shedding light on an important issue. And then you've got Barbie right out there just <laughs> dominating the box office, which is kind of bizarre in light of what is allegedly in that film. So lots yeah. of interesting things going yeah. on. I mean, and we had Movie Guide. We talked on, we had your conversation on Friday, Billy, with Ted Bear and talking about this and warning about it. And clearly, this was just something that people wanted to go see. I don't get it. I mean, me personally, I don't get the desire to go see a movie on the Barbie. But I mean, I know it was a big toy back in the day. So it's kind of like a Toy Story thing. I don't know. I don't I don't get it, but apparently we'll see how it continues, but its opening weekend was incredibly impressive. Well, and and they did a lot of interesting things, right? Like selling tickets with Oppenheimer and trying to do back to back. There were a lot of creative ways that they marketed it. Yeah. And keep in mind too, I mean, look, you have an iconic brand and they didn't really tell you much of what the movie was about until the week of. Yeah. All the controversy about the film and what was what's allegedly in it. We didn't hear any of that. So they did a really good job of keeping that under wraps. So I'm not shocked that people wanted to go and see it in light of knowing the brand. And look, there's a whole series of cartoons surrounding it too. So there's been other entertainment that's been created around it in addition to that. So yeah, I mean, I was shocked it was so big. What I'm curious about now is you're just starting to see some of those reviews come out. Yeah. Negative and positive. Both sides complaining, right? Christians (laughs) complaining about the content. And I've even seen some LGBTQ groups complaining that it wasn't affirming enough. (laughs) And so that, you know, that's always interesting when everybody's mad. Yeah. When everybody's mad, maybe you generally did something right. Who knows? I don't know. But I mean, we we obviously heard. The warning that we had on this show, and so it had a lot of concerning things. So I don't know. One thing is for sure, I'm not taking my family to see it. I just have no interest. So there's that. It looks it looks ridiculous. It looks so <laughs> stupid to me. I mean, I don't. I yeah, I have zero interest in it. And I certainly one thing that seemed very clear from not just Ted Bear but other reviews in, in secular press. This is not a movie for little kids. It's PG thirteen. Yeah. Um. And and so that that is clear. I think that's the deceptive. I don't understand as a culture why we keep taking kid things Dude. and making them adult, adult things. Yeah. I don't like that. I, no, it's weird. I don't like that either. It's a trend in uh, culture that uh, I'd like to see go away, but it's here for the moment. So interesting box office stuff. Glad to see Sound of Freedom continue to do well, though. That's 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 a welcome sight. So, all right, we're going to move over to the focus story now and an accusation of blasphemy in a Pakistani city this month reportedly led scores of Christians to flee their homes in fear of violence. What's going on here, Billy? You know, we have seen a number of cases in Pakistan. This particular situation, apparently there were handwritten signs that maligned, you know, Muhammad, the Islamic prophet, and his wife. And these signs were allegedly hung at mosques in the Greentown neighborhood there in Pakistan. And of course, this sparked outrage. This is what blasphemy is, right? Any offense against the Islamic faith, when you're in a country like Pakistan, this is very dangerous for Christians when something like this happens because, of course, they don't know who the perpetrator is, but Christians are being blamed for it. And there's about 3,500 to 4,000 Christians living in this particular area. And so all of these Muslims were outraged by the signs. They went out and started blocking roads. There were apparently extremists in the mix and a really scary situation 
led a ton of the Christians there. I mean, imagine being in a situation where there are protests and everybody's fleeing their homes because they're afraid they're going to be mm-hmm. killed, murdered, or attacked. And so that's what happened. You saw a lot of angry people over these signs and a lot of Christians fleeing their homes, you know, leaving the area because they were afraid that they would be harmed. Mm. What are some of the other uh, concerning elements of this case, which sounds incredibly disturbing? Well, so you've got, you have a situation where there are a number of people who have spoken out on this. And of course, the big question, now police are investigating this. So some of these Muslim crowds, they they blocked a main highway for hours on July 16th. Um, this happened a little bit earlier this month um, because the mosques were saying, oh, it must be the Christians who did this. You know, we don't know who they are. But so they're blocking the roads. All this chaos is going on. But one of the questions from a former provincial lawmaker who happens to be a Christian, he was speaking out to Morningstar News and he said, look, you know, is this a situation where they're in t- somebody intentionally put these signs up to try to target Christians? Right. That that this may not it could have been a prank or maybe it was maybe it was. Christians who put it up, but but he's questioning, hey, the police need to look at every element of this because again and again and again, we are seeing these blasphemy charges in the law. You know, in America, we can insult somebody. We could say something awful. You, you know, you have the, we shouldn't do that as Christians, but we have First Amendment freedoms. Blasphemy laws, like in a country like Pakistan, you don't have those freedoms. So if you do that, if you do something like this, it could mean you get the death penalty. And by the way, we recently covered another case in Pakistan uh, surrounding Noman Masai, a 22-year-old who was given the te- death penalty hmm. over a separate instance of blasphemy. So there's a lot of tensions that are already high there um, because of the, uh, that death penalty case, which the entire world is talking about. And now you have another situation here. So it's dangerous. But I think that the, the main takeaway, this question of whether or not this is a setup almost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's such a different universe from what we're used to here in America. It's hard to even fathom that things like this go on. But when you look at a story like this, Billy, what do you think people here in America who are looking at this from afar, just wondering if it can even be real, what do you think we should take from this? I mean, there are a lot of takeaways, right? We we argue about religious freedom here. We've had numerous court cases that have come down from the Supreme Court affirming religious freedom. This is a situation where there is no religious freedom. This is what it looks like when you allow a country to devolve, when you don't have freedom of religion, freedom of speech. This is the nightmare scenario that you could be put on death row because you insulted somebody's faith. I mean, it's just... I think we need to remember the cost that people have paid here, right, for our freedom. We need to defend our freedom. But also, I think there, there's a global responsibility when there are countries like this. If you, you know, as a superpower, and not just America, but other countries, putting pressure on these countries is essential. Pakistan, you know, we were recently told by David Curry, Pakistan has, and he's with Global Christian Relief, some of the most difficult and stringent blasphemy laws in the world these are laws that are, you know, they're weaponized against Christians intentionally. So this question of whether or not the signs were put up, you know, by a Muslim even right. to to put Christians to death or harm them, that's a legitimate question. So there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there, but I think for us recognizing our freedom and finding ways to put pressure on countries like Pakistan so that they change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is you look at as you mentioned, Billy, what happens to a country when they allow 
things like the ability to speak freely to go away. And you can't help but make a parallel here to what's happening in America to where you cannot disagree with certain things, namely the LGBT kind of um, movement. Anything in there, they're starting to frame this as bigoted, as hate speech, things of that nature. And so while it hasn't quite taken root yet in the courts, the courts so far have held their ground. But at what point does that get flipped over, if at all? Hopefully it doesn't. I pray it doesn't. But you can see that that is the trend that people, a lot of people in this country want to go. And so, as you said, when you see the result of that, when you lose that freedom, what we have in places like Pakistan, and it's incredibly disturbing, the the, the thought crimes, basically. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely crucial that we see this and we... Definitely pray for our brothers and sisters or Christians over there who are getting charged with things like blasphemy. It's it's unfathomable, but it is happening. So appreciate you bringing that one, uh, Billy, to our attention. All right, we are going to go over to the main thing now. And the Girl Scouts of America, they came out with a summer camp culture code that calls all students and families and staff to commit to the Girl Scouts' new LGBTQ allyship anti-racism and anti-oppression codes and if you don't agree with it then the girl scouts say you know, don't come to camp well, madison seals talked to patty garibay with the faith-based alternative to the girl scouts called american heritage girls about this new code that's today's main thing We're hitting that midsummer mark when kids' camps are in full swing around the country. I actually just got back from serving at one through my church, but not all of them are inspiring growth or full of innocent fun and games. The Girl Scouts of America came out with a new summer camp culture code that blatantly discriminates against people of faith. And today I'm joined by Patty Garibay to talk about it. She's the founder and executive director of a faith-based scouting organization called American Heritage Girls. Patty, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Madison. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's not news that the Girl Scouts have gone woke, but this Girl Scouts Camp Culture Code just makes it even more evident. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's in it? It truly does. I I cannot believe that they've put this all in one document, but I'm grateful in that I hope parents will pay attention and will be very guarded with um, their daughter's involvement with the Girl Scouts or even so far as buying those Girl Scout cookies and supporting a cause that may not be aligned with their values. Uh, The Camp Culture Code came out just in time for camp, as you mentioned before, and it's for the staff, the volunteers, and also even for the girls. It talks about the importance of a commitment to the diversity, equity, inclusion, and racial justice, as well as the LGBTQ community, and that there needs to be safe spaces and use of pronouns at Girl Scout camps. Um, They also have embraced, according to this Camp Culture Code, a youth-centered approach to notions of sex and gender, which includes allowing biological boys to share a cabin with biological girls if that biological boy identifies as a girl. So this is something that is not typically on your pack list, so to speak, for camp that you need to be concerned about that. But this is something that the Girl Scouts are are doing. And that really, really bothers me in that they talk about faith and spirituality in this. And Madison, you might have noted that they had said anyone who is uncomfortable um, with the direction that the Girl Scouts are heading in regards to this and that are uncomfortable using kids' pronouns that are different than their biological sense, then they really are not a good fit 
to attend camp. What does that say about Christians attending Girl Scout camps? Right. Yeah. People have differing views about woke culture and how Christians or even non-Christians who hold traditional values should respond to organizations who are pushing woke agendas. But in this case, the Camp Culture Code isn't allowing for any differing views whatsoever. They're basically telling you that if you disagree, whether you're staff, volunteers, parents, or children, that they can just not join the camp. That's so true. And you know, most recently last year, $84.5 million gift was given by Mackenzie Scott, the um, ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, who is very dedicated to progressive and liberal causes. She gave the biggest gift ever to the Girl Scouts of that amount, and it was all for diversity and inclusion and equity. So this agenda is really being funded by someone who also gave the largest gift in their history to Planned Parenthood, the same woman, Mackenzie Scott. So please, I, I, I beg your listeners to be very cautious. The Girl Scouts are not what they used to be. Um, they have embraced the woke agenda and now are even promoting it to the girls. And we're seeing the fruits of that through Gold Award winners who are writing LGBTQ patch programs for the younger girls and this kind of behavior happening at camp. It's really pretty outrageous, but we cannot stand on a tradition. We must stand on truth and be very careful of all the extracurriculars that we involve our children in, especially as Christians. Right, because this code is an example of how the agenda of trans and woke activists is completely opposed to the Christian faith and other traditional religious faiths. And that's why American Heritage Girls started 30 years ago in response to the woke direction of the Girl Scouts, and specifically in response to the Girl Scouts of America removing the word God from their oath. So can you tell me about how AHG helps girls and parents walk through difficult conversations about gender and identity? We truly do. We have felt the need to help parents, of, whether you're a parent of an American Heritage Girls or not, but you're a parent of a girl or a grandparent of a girl, American Heritage Girls has created a Raising Godly Girls blog that offers free ebooks to parents, all with a biblical worldview. And three of those free ebooks that are available on our website, which is AmericanHeritageGirls.org, include a Raising Godly Girls Guide to Fear and Anxiety, a Raising Godly Girls Guide to Gender and Identity, and a Raising Godly Girls Guide to Biblical Worldview. We truly believe that with a biblical worldview, a girl can understand truth and understand that there is right and wrong and understand that she was born in the image of God and that biblical femininity is something not to hide or to identify differently with, but something to celebrate. And American Heritage Girls is here to help parents. We're all looking for tools these days to help align our daughters with our faith. And it's difficult, more and more difficult each and every day, but American Heritage Girls is here to help the family. The optimal experience, of course, is within the troop. And a wonderful way for a church to minister to youth is to decide to start an American Heritage Girl ministry. And for the girls in a for their boys, a Trail Life USA ministry is a beautiful way to bring in family ministry to your church and also a way to celebrate the family and to help them grow up in the way they should go. Yes, and we have talked to Trail Life USA also on this podcast, another great group. I feel like we just can't restate often enough how important it is to discuss the identity crisis as the church because it's not just an issue that the trans community deals with. It's something that all of us as human beings struggle with to different degrees, but 
without a biblical worldview, it's hurtful and it's hopeless. And with a biblical worldview, as you're talking about, it's empowering. So, Patty, thank you for instilling that in thousands of girls through AHG. And where can people learn more about your camps and how to get involved? Come and visit our website at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. And you can put your zip code into the zip code finder, find a troop near you. Um, By the way, you don't have to be a parent of a girl. You might be a grandparent of a girl or somebody who doesn't even have children, but wants to serve and mentor today's girls to help them understand the beauty that lies within them. And that is the ability to find a troop in your area that you can volunteer with. We cover your prayers. And of course, donations are always needed to keep ministries like this afloat. So we encourage you to become involved in some way. This battle is not ending anytime soon. It is a target on our girls' backs, and we all need to be united as Christians to help them just understand that who they are and whose they are. Absolutely. And I love how you brought up getting involved as leaders as well, because even as adults, we still struggle with that identity crisis and serving youth and mentoring to young girls is such a great way to fulfill our calling as adults too. It truly is. And we need to step up and step out. And that that's the only way that we're going to be able to help this generation. And I believe there's great hope. I do pitch my tent in the land of hope, speaking of camp. And as I mentioned in Acts, um, that we need to be hope-filled because we serve an omniscient, omnipresent, and powerful Lord. I love that. Pitching your tent in the land of hope. That's a great slogan to live by. Amen. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Patty. Appreciate all that you do. Thank you, Madison. God bless. All right, Madison. Thanks so much for that conversation there. Appreciate it. And it leaves us with time here for one last thing. We're going to take a look at Galatians 6.2, which reads, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Uh, There's a lot there to unpack, but I mean, the general principle there, of course, is to be walking with one another when we're disciplining, when we're encouraging, when we're uplifting, when somebody's going through a trial, and a reminder for Christians to be there for one another. Yeah, I love that, especially even with Pakistan and what we're seeing there, you know, bearing our burdens with believers around the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good spot to leave it there on the podcast. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Get your news from a Christian perspective. Why are you getting it from a secular source? Why do it? And we are going to go for the day. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.